What is up, everybody, and welcome into the All NBA Show, part of the All City Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades. Tim Legler, late scratch today. We got a nice replacement here. Somebody who knows no, more about the Blazers. <laughs> yeah, you no, got to for legs, man. You got to go. <laughs> you got to pick it up. Uh, we're talking Blazers uh, today, and who better to talk Blazers and Damian Lillard than Dan Morang? Dan, what's going on, brother? Good to see you. Hey, it's good to see you, man. Look, uh, I love you and Legs. I listen to you guys on my way into the radio studio every day. Um, you guys do an awesome job. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not Legs. I don't even have the the, the actual physical legs. So um, <laughs> it's, it's just like metaphysical legs right now. And I'm not even going to try to hold a candle to him because the, the guy's amazing. But uh, I appreciate you having me on. And, and, and you picked a absolutely wonderful time to talk trailblazers that's that's for sure it was it was it was it was a a momentous occasion in portland last night it really was and i'm excited to get into it you were there so i'm excited to hear all about behind the scenes and then to be honest with you you know there's a handful of teams that you only talk about a handful of times a year they're the bottom dwellers in the nba (laughs) and when you do a show like this you only get to them a few times so i'm excited to kind of catch up on the blazers so to speak so i'm excited to do all that uh with you and then later in the show we're going to pick our all-star reserves those will be revealed tonight on tnt so we'll give our picks and i'm sure we're going to be way off of the actual picks but it should be interesting <laughs> but first we are presented by DraftKings fantasy sports check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code all nba because life's more fun when you're in on the action DraftKings, the crown is yours if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER agent eligibility restrictions apply void were prohibited see draftkings.com for details all right last night it happened damian lillard made his long anticipated return to moda center he yep. uh, was welcomed by the fans. A really good ovation, I thought, from what yes. I saw of it. But you were in the building. I want to just start with this. Before we get to the game, what was it like, this moment, the build-up towards it and and the moment itself? It was really weird. Um, you know, I've covered Dame his entire career. Um, I got very used to having Damian Lillard there every day. And uh, I was talking to him leading up to this week pretty much every day. And, you know, he's like, I, I don't really know what to expect. And I don't know how I'm going to handle this moment. I don't know what it's going to do to me. Uh, he did tell me both privately and then he said it publicly in this press conference, I'm not going to cry. And he cried. He cried. Yeah. I saw that. He, he denies that he cried. I, we all saw the, well, I, you know, he said he had a lot of sweat. And, I, you know, I, 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 <laughs> said, I don't know, man. I, when you were wiping away, you weren't sweating yet. So yeah. uh, there's there's a little little pushback there. Um, but it was it was the the setup for it was great. Um, we had, uh, you know, he gets there and, uh, they set aside some time for him, uh, before the coaches did their pregame availability. It was about 20, 25 minutes. Um, really? yeah, yeah. So that actually, you know, what's funny is the last time we had it set up the way that we did there for the game was the Western conference finals in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. um, well, there was a lot of people there. I mean, there was a, all, all of the local media was there, yeah. uh, a pretty large portion of, of national media as well. It was it was a full house at Moda last night, which is kind of weird because, you know, where the Blazers are, it's like, hey, right. seen this around in a little while. Um, but uh Dane got up there and and answered questions. You could tell he could just he was just going through it. It was the yeah. the wave was already hitting him. He had just walked in the building just a few minutes ago and he jokingly but also seriously went to go to the locker room like he always did. When to go through his normal stuff, I talked to him uh, after this press conference, you know, kind of what what the day has been. He goes, man, I dropped off my kids. I was getting ready to go, go, go through stuff. So he's – Dame is nothing if not a creature of habit. I mean, he's the most regimented guy that, that's out there. And so in the past, he would, you know, 
spend his time with his kids, go drop them off, go to their appointments, come back, get a workout in, shower, nap. Then Adidas would send a sprinter van to go get him, and then they'd start the day for whatever game day it was. And he's like, yeah, I started to do one thing, and then I realized I'm not doing that. And right. it kind of threw me for a loop and reminded me I'm home, but I'm not home. Right. And that's when he, you know, kind of his eyes kind of went in the back of his head a little bit, like, you know, and, uh, you know, it's kind of, it was weird it, it, on a personal side, you know, just kind of gave each other a little bit of hug and then kind of looked at each other and said, this is weird, man. This is, this yeah. is weird. And, and that was really what the, the, I think the, the sentiment of the night was, was this is weird. Like the for, whole night for, ev yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Uh, the Blazers had two tribute videos. So really, they, they, yeah, they rolled out one on the basketball side and that was in the first right. timeout. Right. And then they, then the next time out, they want, did one in the community because look there, they talk about people who work in the community. You would need a 14 hour documentary to cover the stuff that Dame has done in the community in the city. And I'm, I'm not, he's, he is the city on that kind of stuff. Um, but I think what got him, uh, Mark Mason, the PA voice for the Portland Trailblazers, gave him his, his old introduction treatment in the, in the lineup introduction. And then they gave him probably about a four minute standing ovation. Right. So right. it was, and you could see the, 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 the emotions were outpouring. You can see around the crowd, there were people crying. There were, there were people right. trying to fight it back and it was a night, man. And then I didn't know how the game was going to go. And it went into some of the best, you know, most competitive basketball we've seen the Blazers play all year. So it was, uh, it was, it was a fitting, it was a fitting night for 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 Dame's return. So let's get into the game because here's here's my notes on the game, and I actually want to get your notes because you obviously mm -hmm. watch this team a lot. But Dame, I think, takes three shots in one minute to open the game. <laughs> like you could tell, I I feel like he was probably both a little ramped up, but also I think yeah. probably wanted to have a big night. And you could tell sometimes when guys are pressing to want to have a good night. I felt like last night, it didn't last the whole game, but early on I thought, okay, he is clearly out here and would love to have a, a, a big moment. Did you get the same sense right out of the gate? I thought he was going to pull from 40, first touch, Le legitimately. When Giannis took the ball and just drove straight down the lane, I was like, oh, I guess they're just going to, Slow play it, let Dame work it. It's next next possession. It's Dame off flare screen, which yep. that's that's pretty normal to be honest. That's if we're talking action. about Damian Lillard, that's just, his action, kinda, man. The yeah, flare. so so they, so they gave him the, the 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 pet action to kind of get him going. I was like, okay, and then his second touch was from like thirty seven. I was like, ah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it was a bad which, shot. Let's be honest. It was like a little bit one of those like, <laughs> oh, we're getting into the the thirty seven footers right away. I look, he. The one of the most iconic shots that nobody ever talks about from Damian Lillard is in the OKC series, and it's what he opened the OKC series with. The Blazers' first possession is right. Dame stepping across half court and yeah. pulling from 42 feet and cashing. Yeah. And I was like, I have a reeling suspicion that's going to be in the bag real quick. Um, and I think if that was – there's a, there's a little bit of pushback, right, of if he takes it and makes it, Oh boy, it might be a night. But if he takes sure. it, and the, the 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 juice gets kind of a hold of him, you know, and he pushes that thing three feet wide. He's like, well, maybe. So um, maybe he had a, a feeling of how it was going to go. But yeah, I, I definitely felt like they were pressing. Uh, Doc Rivers before the game mentioned that he's done this before. He's been through these with his players. He went through KGs with the Timberwolves. Right. He he went through Patrick right. Ewings with the Knicks. Going back wow. there, um, he said he's gone through a list of these and he hates them. 
and not 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 for the players, but as a coach. He's like, right. you just never know what you're gonna get. You right. you know these guys are gonna be emotional, good, bad, or otherwise, but you really don't know that. You just kind of have to take it as it comes. You know, right. the wave the waves will come over the top, and you react from there. So. Um, and and but, by the way, this has been the story of the Bucks over the last week because you have yeah. the fire your coach game, then mm -hmm. you have the Doc Rivers first game, and now you have mm -hmm. the Dame return. Like the all all three of those games, I think they've played four since the firing, but three of those four have had some sort of you know you could call them distraction, but just something that emotionally changed the tenor of the game. Yep. And so I I think with this Bucks team because I have takes on them over these last handful of games, no. but they're all. Well, I'm just saying, like, I have opinions, right, about what I'm saying. Oh, seeing. no, no, I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm 100% with you. But but I'm also like, you know what, this is a thing where you shouldn't you shouldn't say anything with your chest over the next couple of weeks because they really, till after the All-Star break, I think yeah. that's when you're going to be able to judge that team a little bit more. But let me ask you about the Blazers because what was this game to the Blazers? What do you, what do you think? Because you mentioned that it was obviously a very good performance. They've been having some good performances lately. Yeah. What, what, was, what did this one mean to them? So this is the Blazers' only national TV game. Um, they had really? they had a different. Yeah, it's like I'm discounting the NBA TV games. Like that. right, I right. I of course, I don't, I don't no, count. Those. Don't count. If you if you count those, it's a little weird. Uh, the Blazers did have a have a national TV game uh, coming up in February against a team in South Beach, but for some reason, I don't know. They decided to take that one away. Do you know anything about that? <laughs> was, did of... the schedule come out before the trades? Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Okay. So, so they, so yeah. they had, so they had a, they had a reeling suspicion that, that maybe a, a game against Miami was going to matter for some reason, which, you know, yeah. I have no, I have no reason to understand why that would go down that path. Uh, but this game meant a lot to them. Um, so with this trade, because basically everybody else has gone off the roster, there wasn't like the rest of the team was like waiting in anticipation of Dame. It was Anthony Simons. It's just Ant. Right, right. And Ant is that that's 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 big brother, little brother, that's uncle, that's that's his mentor, that's his friend. That's like they are tight. They are they're they are thick as thieves. Like it's so it meant a ton for Anthony. It meant everything to him. Organizationally in the city, it meant everything to them. So everybody knew kind of the, the stakes and the ramifications, but it was ratcheted up because there were eyeballs. You 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 felt the presence. Like it, they were in a position that they had that it, it's kind of crazy to think about last night was the the loudest biggest most momentous game in portland post covid really uh, i guess that makes sense because he you know, was out for so much in those you know the year after yeah, that. yeah they had the bubble run and and the 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 understanding of kind of like where things were going and then last the last year and a half two years they just haven't been good because of what they were right. chasing at the end you know post all-star break before that you know they had the western conference finals run up against golden state after the seven game run against the, uh, the nuggets so you just you find yourself like you I, I kind of forgot and i don't know how well it translated to tv last night it was deafening in there when they were counting mm -hmm. Giannis off of the line and it kind of caught me off guard i was like Oh, that's right. I forgot this place could rock because right. it's it, because I mean, I, I I haven't been out to Denver post COVID. I would imagine that even with the fanfare post COVID, the, the it took a little bit of a hit, right? Right. The, the, yeah, the, for sure. the way the fans kind of it took a little while to kind I mean, of build the, it the back thing up. With the nuggets is that after the pandemic you know murray's return like we the, denver's had some exciting things so i think oh, Denver sure. probably came back quicker than most just because it yeah. was such an exciting time but i mean you you, you still felt that kind of like that sure. ramp up and 
Portland has just never had the opportunity to have that ramp up. Like yeah. even even in Dame's seventy one point game, it's in February against the Rockets. Yeah, and no, but there's no that. there's no fanfare, there's no anticipation, there's no build to right. that. There was build to this. That, that that place was sold out. You couldn't get in that building. It was yeah. packed. So uh, it meant everything to the organization. And so they went out there, and are they the best team? No. Are they the most talented team? No. But their shot making last night, their execution, their uh, Tamani Kamara stepping in and taking, you know, three charges on Giannis Antetokounmpo, it, they weren't little charges. You know, they were, you know, forcing six turnovers to start the fourth quarter. Just you could tell they wanted it so bad last night, and it was it was a nice little reminder of like, hey, in a game or in a season, they're going to win twenty games, twenty four games. These are the kind of sprinklings that you're if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder two years ago, you go. Those are the those are the things you kind of pull from two three years down the road is kind of like those were your first building blocks, right? Those are your first moments. I mean, I want to talk about those charges though here in a second because I do think that they were meaningful. But we'll go to the fourth quarter because that's where this game was really decided. Mm-hmm. Um, was in the fourth quarter and it was to start the fourth quarter. I mean, the Blazers built a ten point lead and then held on yep. for the rest of the way, but they built it. You know, all right, you're going to your fourth quarter lineups, not quite your closing lineups, just starting the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah. And that's where you had some big plays from Brogdon. You had mm-hmm. a big plays from Reith and Tybal and, and guys just hustling around. But to your point, it was turnovers. And I thought, yeah. if I first of all, I go to the Milwaukee Bucks, I am concerned a little bit about how hard possession seemed to be. They have great shot making and great shooting. But when they're not making Buddy. their threes, they have a lot of like driving into traffic. And I thought their fourth quarter, especially the first five minutes, Yes, the Blazers played great defense, but the Bucks did not get good looks. I didn't like any of the looks they were generating. No. So my takeaway, 30,000 foot working my way in, and I, I tweeted this out last night. I, I have an inherent bias because I watched the guy every second of his career here in Portland. Is Wasn't the whole point of getting Damian Lillard to get Damian Lillard so that you could take the pressure off of your offense right. in the half court and have right. a guy who has been an offense unto himself for a decade be the thing that you build it on? Not Chris Middleton pick and roll, not Giannis on the ball pick and roll, and if you're going to do it, involve Damian Lillard in it. So I just sat there and I watched them and I went, look, it doesn't have to be spam Damian Lillard pick and roll, but that should be the water that everything kind of – that should run all the mills. Right. And then it right. should flow freely from there. And it's not to say that Giannis isn't the better player, but on that side of the ball, the one that has the gravity out to 40 feet, that's the one that I would have, I I figured Doc would have gone, okay, look, we're going to move this slider a little bit further over with Dame to be the trigger man. And they really didn't do that for the first five minutes of that fourth quarter. And it just kind of went, Ugh. and then when they finally did walk Dame out, they walked him up and they put him in a pick and roll like at the level of the three-point line instead of right. you know, 30, 35, when giving him all that space, which is kind of the point of having a Dame Giannis pick and roll. Doc has traditionally done that. I mean, he's one of the guys that likes to get the screens out near the logo. So I imagine mm-hmm. with time, I mean, so much of this is trying to figure yeah. out what are they trying to, you know, just balance and 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 catch their footing versus what are they trying to build towards and i almost feel like they're not building towards anything right now they're trying to stabilize i thought mm-hmm. middleton you mentioned middleton he went nine of 13 and you're right that i like the elbow actions that they're running for him the little the the little pick and rolls mm-hmm. because i feel like they need it 
Like, I think that the Lillard, obviously Lillard Giannis, getting those guys on the same page and making that your bread and butter is, is important, but you're going to have to have the release valve. And I feel like Middleton, over the last couple of weeks, more so than what we've seen in the last year and a half, he looks like he is now more capable of doing that. And I think that's a huge key for them. Yeah, is physically especially. Physically, but also just like confidence wise. I feel like yes. a lot of this is confidence. And again, nine of 13, a lot of those of the jump, you know, off of one screen, one dribble, pull up variety, which is important. And he was hitting them. So I like that, that aspect of it. Um, but, but I, again, the Bucks, they have a great offense. So we can't like knock and say they don't have great offense, but there is a lot of like tough shot making and a lot of possessions where I go, I didn't love that shot. I didn't love that mm -hmm. shot. I didn't love that shot. And I credit the Blazers. They were locked in. They clearly wanted this one. But if we do go to the Blazers side of this, you know, what was so unique about this game that they were able to get the win? Because this is not a game I think most people were expecting them to win. Shot making. Shot making, shot making, shot making. My God, it was the best shot making they've had all season. And I'm not, I'm not even just talking volume. Yeah, they go 12 to 28, 43% from three, which is totally fine. They've had a couple of good, decent shooting games this season. But if you look at where they rank offensively in almost everything, they're the best, uh, the worst rim finishing team in the league by a pretty yeah. substantial margin. Uh, their three-point shooting variants can – look, if Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant, Malcolm Brogdon are on, they can kill you from three. But if they start – if mo what teams have done most of the year is, number one, Portland has only had two of those guys at any given time because of injury. And when they have had those guys, they run two at Anthony Simons because he is the guy that he, you know, kind of makes everything go for them offensively right now. And so you kind of look at what they got last night is Scoot Henderson has been the most, it's been, you know, been the story of his rookie season. He's the right. inefficient guard, blah, blah, blah. He goes out and goes absolutely bonkers in the first, his first shift. Chauncey extends his shift out, plays him 13 straight minutes. You get 15 points on some incredible finishes, uh, bodies up Giannis at the rim, and they ride that momentum and, and they don't have to rely on Anthony to get them a, a 20 point quarter. You, you don't have to rely on Jeremy going nuts because Jeremy actually started pretty poor and then he started getting going. You saw stages and a guy who's been killed in the media for, you know, his own reasons. DeAndre Ayton early in the season just wasn't able to operate because they'd had no guard play, no shooting, no spacing. The last week, he's essentially averaging 20 and 10. Last right. night, he finishes with, what, 20, 24 and 11 or 20 and 11? And he just yeah. kept knocking down shots. Look, I want to see the guy dunk more, but if he's going to sit there and hit every three-foot jump hook, I'm just not going to get mad. It's, you know, it's just one of those things yeah. like, all right, if you're going to hit that every time, I guess go to it. But you just had contributions up and down the level. I, I guess the Bucks didn't know who Dwap Reith was. I know, that, that guy was playing hard. <laughs> look, man, he, I, I actually thought he was going to make it to the, the Shining Stars, uh, the Rising Stars game, just because he's just been so good. He's probably been the third third well, best. He could make an argument with third best big with Derek Lively in the rookie class. It's kind of crazy. Well, tell, um, me, well, tell me about him, because I'm curious. I'm, I'm kind so, of like, what type of player is he? he He's a he, like on, on on a personal front. Uh, Matisse Thibel, who did his bubble documentary um, on YouTube, go check that out if you if you want to kind of get a player's perspective. Matisse is great at that stuff. Um, he did a sit down with uh, Dwap just the other day, um, and he Dwap is a family um, left war and poverty in South Sudan and emigrated to Australia. That's kind of where he discovered basketball. He was late to basketball. Uh, he caught on late went to LSU, played in Lebanon and China and uh, all over the world and has gotten a couple of camp invites and he ended up in Portland this year. He went to summer league and he just stuck, man. Uh, he's a hard screen setting, solid rebounding. Uh, honestly, the guy he was playing across from is probably his best comp is Bobby Portis. 
Really? He, he okay. just he's a gun, he's a gunner. He's he he I think he leads the NBA or leads the uh, all bigs in the NBA in threes per thirty six. If you leave it that man open, he is letting it fly. Like he, there's mm-hmm. there is no hesitation about what he is going to do out there. Um, but he is twenty seven years old. So he's a 27-year-old rookie. Right, but right. with that comes a lot, even though he doesn't have the experience, there's a calmness to him. And when he's out there, you just don't really see him make a ton of mistakes or get sped up. There's a maturity to him. And there was one play last night where the Bucks flattened out defensively in semi-transition. Giannis drops all the way down to the rim. I think it might have been Portis. I'm trying to remember. I think Bobby got too deep and didn't realizing Giannis throws up his hands as he, as Reith was letting a three go. And I couldn't tell if he was throwing up his hands because he was mad about somebody not getting the rotation or he was questioning why this trailing big was walking into a three. So I don't, so I don't know if he just didn't know the scout or mm. if somebody blew the rotation. But, I mean, WAP has been huge for, for Scoot because of the lack of shooting that Portland has is that Reith will give them that. And so you've got this downhill attack from Scoot and you've got this floor spacing from, from WAP that'll kind of open some things up. But I think, you, I mean, you look up and down the box score last night, Adam, you got contributions from everybody. You got one, two, three, four, five, six guys in double figures. Even though Jabari Walker didn't play a bunch of minutes, he was impactful in his minutes, knocked down a three. Thibault is disruptive defensively in, in, in what the box are trying to get done. Tamani Kamara plays 23 minutes. He hits a running hook shot that Chauncey Billups joked about in the uh, post-game press conference being the first time he's ever seen that. Um, <laughs> but he, you got contributions from him, you know, obviously taking yeah. the charge, charges and being disruptive yeah. and botting up Giannis. But the biggest thing last night is they just hit shots. I mean, Anthony Simons is, you know, would-be game winner the the wrong-footed floater which he has now hit three different times this season uh by, by the way game. the hardest thing to do in basketball is to blow a lead in the last minute and then make the <laughs> shot like they blew the lead the so great two. at that buddy especially the first yeah. part yeah but but blowing the lead usually when that happens it's like that's the neck the getting the lead back is the toughest shot and he yeah. hit it with a great move i mean it wasn't necessarily a tough shot you are right off-footed you know that's kind of common in today's nba but to get mm. to that spot honestly to get to the you know, yeah. ten feet in front of the rim and be able to get your shot off comfortably was it was a really nice, uh, impressive move and bad defense from the Bucks to be honest. Yes, uh, I I, I kind of questioned what the Bucks were doing with Ant defensively, leaving him in single coverage. Like if if I if I am coaching against the Portland Trailblazers, there's one person I'm not going to let beat me. It is that man. Yeah, I, I am I am going to say literally anybody else. The guy yeah. that that can that can make a shot from thirty feet and in. Uh, I want the ball out of his hands. Anybody else go for it. Well, let me go through the list here. So I want to ask about Aiton. You mentioned that he'd been playing a little bit better. Um, He has a lot more headway, I think, to make for, you know, to justify a contract and a building block. Like, what have you seen from him this year? And do you, is he a guy that's just going to be the center of this gap era? Or do you think that he is projecting to be like, no, he's part of the core that they're going to try to build around? That's really the question, right? And so I was actually – this is going to sound very strange. So they come into the season. They play their first game. Two quarters in, Anthony Simons tears the ligaments in his thumb, and he's out. And Scoot is very clearly overmatched to start the season. It's not even close. He should not be out there starting with those guys. And the Blazers have to scrap basically what they were going to build, which was 
Anthony Simons, DeAndre Aiden, pick and roll is kind of going to be the bread and butter of what they're going to try to build their offense out on. Now they have no spacing. They have nothing really to work with. And I thought, oh, God, here goes, you know, you, you, you've heard, you hear about the stuff that happened in Phoenix with Aiden. It's going to go sideways. That guy put his hard hat on and uglied it up. He's making catches in packs of three and four guys. He's yeah, trying. He's trying. Like he was trying to make it work, and I, I, I thought if anything is, if anyone's going to go off the rails right now because of how sideways this is starting, it's going to be him. And he, he didn't, he didn't. He had, then he had some stuff happen in his personal life that I think kind of derailed him a little bit. Um, the team went sideways. I think <clears> he <throat> just did what he has done in the past, and I think the Blazers really said, "No, look, man." We've got your back. We're going to be there for you. We're going to figure it out. Then he got tendonitis in his knee. I looked down, and his knee was the size of a grapefruit after a game, and I went, Welp, that's going to be a couple weeks. They go through the road trip from hell where they get smoked by 62 in Oklahoma City. Um, They have kind of a team meeting uh, on that trip, a a, a come-to-Jesus meeting, as it were. Um, And even though some uh, a festivus was had, some airing of grievances, um, you didn't see the immediate ramifications, but over the last probably 10 days you have, the Blazers went from the team that, has, that passed the ball the least in the NBA to top five. Really? That, Interesting. Yes. Over the last so, how many games is this? Uh, about team? five or six games now. Oh, small, I, I'd have to double check size, it. But, okay. but you, can, the, 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 you can see the, the arc trending up. It's like, okay, now will this be sustainable? And in that time period now, Aiton's averaging 18 and 11. Okay. He went from doing, you know, like 11 and nine kind of a deal to almost 20 and 10 and on high efficiency. And you go in and go, okay, that's nice to see because that wasn't there. You weren't getting any real lobs. You weren't getting any real above the rim finishes. You weren't getting a ton of defensive help outside of the the first line of defense you weren't getting a lot of second helps or rotations after the first help and then in the last two weeks you've gotten all of that i think he's had four four dunks in four out of the last five games um you're getting first helps stay down get back get vertical on the other side if you, you know if the rebound isn't there um you're getting second helps you're you're, you're getting him stepping out being aggressive out on the point of attack defensively, the Blazers are relying on him and they're switching defense. It's been a bit of a, okay, let's see. And that's always been the case with DeAndre Ayton, right? After the whole thing in Phoenix is, you know, we'll see. And I think the Blazers look at him right now as a potential guy going forward as opposed to a stopgap, mostly because if you look around the NBA, if they traded DeAndre Ayton, who's better? Who were they going to get? Are they, you're not going to get Joel. You're not going to get Jokic. You're not going to get Domas. You know, you're right. You're there's, a, gonna, there's a drop off after you get to the top, like tier one and tier two. Then it becomes, so, what do you need? So, here? what what do you want? And I think Portland wants to prioritize a seven foot athletic center who's uh, a high percentage finisher around the rim who's got a nice little touch. Like that's they. I think well, they want somebody who who kind of gets out of the way. Well, we've only got time here for me to ask about one more guy, and I have to ask about Scoot because. Mm-hmm. The th- number one thing I have with Scoot, he moves like a center. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a good way. He how, has how so? Very, he has very weird body movements to me. Not like like there's the, okay, I know what I'm doing, so I'm going downhill. He can look very fluid. But there's okay. just a lot of like off by pass the ball and then 
weird herky jerk like am i supposed to cut oh no don't cut step out like he just has a lot of herky gotcha okay like, he seems to be thinking like this jittery energy of what am i supposed to be doing right now and not and like even young guards who are you know who don't know what they're doing in the nba and the game's going fast they almost have a smoothness to him or a different move he just has this frenetic energy to me that reminds me more of a center than it does of a guard that's, that's an interesting observation, and I, as soon as you said that, I, I wasn't sure which, which way you were going, but now with that clarification, that does make sense, and I will say this. I very much believe that to be because he doesn't know what he's doing. He's yeah. still feeling stuff out, and for but, but him... You know, here's why it's important to me, because there's feeling things out. Like, again, you're a guard, and you generally understand basketball, but NBA basketball, mm -hmm. the speed in this, and then when I say big, a center... A lot of times centers don't they know the game less right they're really tall mm -hmm. they were late to develop and so you're not seeing the court you're not doing this stuff and that's just what i mean is off ball his movements look they don't look like a guy that's a step behind seeing the play they look like a guy that's never seen the play before that, that's i think the, the big thing is for him is that he hasn't ever really been off the ball and mm -hmm. so being in that position that's the part that he's learning is because he's always he's always been a uh Chris Paul, Rajon Rondo, it's like I'm pulling the string, point guard. And they're they're going a little bit further of like, well, that's not actually how this is going to be. And even in the NBA, unless you're six foot eight or taller, you can't be that guy. Like, yeah. that's just not – I mean, there's Trey, there's Dame, there's Brunson, like who've you know, kind of cracked that mold a little bit, but they all play off the ball to an extent and they understand mm -hmm. spacing and gravity scoot is trying to figure all of that out and the, the the thing that i've tracked with him this season is i don't really ask him about how he's feeling or where he's at with stuff i go what what is slowed down for you this week what is different what are you seeing this week that you weren't seeing last week that's a question that i keep coming back to him like you, basically every you, couple weeks you're watching him that you feel he's growing in that department yes Yes, um, because I, I don't mean this to be rude because I love the kid. He was he was he had no business being out there to start the season. Mm, right. Uh, men mentally, it, it was just too overwhelming for him. It just right. was. He this was a guy who for the first time in his life was on the floor with guys that were better with him than him, and he was questioning his basketball mortality. Like he just didn't. It was just too much. And over the last couple of weeks, and like particularly like you saw it in the first half last night, when he has a, I talked to a bunch of his opponents in the first. Uh, eight weeks and almost every single one of them every single point guard that i talked to was he has no idea what he wants to do how he wants to do it when he wants to do it and how he's going to do it mm. and now as i start talking to guys like yeah i can see like he's screening and rescreening. even though we're going under screens we're he he's when I, when i get behind the screen that's when he's attacking like he's he's starting to understand like little things that are allowing him to process when defenses are loading up and where the spot he needs to get to and the footwork necessary to get there. Like Adam, it's literally just like you know square peg square hole. Like he's just mm -hmm. trying to okay if X then Y through everything. And he's when he does pick it up, you see it ramp up. But you're right, the blind spots they're blind. It's not like, oh, you see a little something there. It's like, oh, no, there's nothing there yet. You need to figure that out. But when he does, you, it's like once he does, he files it away, and you're like, okay, that's good, and then it's moved on to the next. But I think that's why the Blazers are just slow-ploying him and bringing him off the bench, and when he does well, they let him play like they did in the first half, and Chauncey Billups in the second half last night in the closing minutes. 
he made a rotation that normally Scoot would come out. When Ant came back in the game, I was surprised. I was like, oh, Scoot turned the ball over immediately, and Chauncey went, well, tried it, see ya, boop, and pulled him out immediately. So they uh, they have a they have a development plan on that end of like, okay, let's see kind of where this goes and figure it out from there. But it's just – it's a slow build process. But I understand what you're saying as far as like the, the clunkiness of like he just doesn't know where he wants to go, particularly as, as it pertains to being off ball. I'm I'm just the most skeptical about basketball IQ slash feel for the game. They're kind of the same mm-hmm. thing, however you want to question. I'm the most skeptical of guys developing that because I think you do develop an understanding of the game and where to be and the timing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But there's something different about feel. And a lot of times the biggest bust probably I'm not saying he'll be a bust, but I'm saying the biggest mm-hmm. bust guys where you say, Oh, once he figures out the game. And I always go, guys, don't figure out the game. Just that's not just yeah. a thing. Like once he learns how to shoot, or this, like, hey, that not everybody just learns. It's how not to a skill shoot. thing. It's 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 a it's a feel thing. Sometimes and, people and, have it, and I'm worried with him. When I just watch some of the movements with him off ball, again, it's not that he is late making the read. It's that he doesn't understand the read, and and that and that's where I'm a little bit skeptical of him as a player from what I've seen. Um, but again, he has a lot of on ball tools, so there is something to sometimes, especially young players they have to play a role they're not suited to first and they look bad at it and then yeah. it builds into the level I, where they play a role they they are suited to. I'm with you to an extent. I'm not to that level. Um I to be fully blunt, I was I was pretty shocked um coming out of training camp into that first game because everything that I had heard was even from even the players. You, you know, you get stuff from from front office and coaches. Sure, sure. Oh yeah, so the the players are you're gonna be a little bit more honest with you. And they all to a man were like, no, this kid's, this kid's got it. And mm. so I, when it was, a, when it wasn't there, I was kind of like, oh, okay. So, but in, in talking to the players, they've all said, no, don't genuinely don't worry about him. It, it, I think it's just, it's a, it's a maturity, a mental maturity of like processing that he's just a little bit different in that vein in that once things slow down for him, you'll start to see it more and more and more. And I've, I've kind of trusted them because the, you know, they've been honest with me about guys in the past. And so I just kind of go, okay, let's, let's see where this gets. And as the season has progressed, you've seen those flashes much like, again, we saw last night where he goes out there and he looks very productive. It looks like it's normal and at ease and, and in the flow. But then you see the second half where, you know, some adjustments are made and, and then it doesn't look as easy. So I, I, you know, the, the, it's not that linear growth that everybody wants from the rookies. Right. It never is. It never is, but we'll see. He's an interesting guy. I'm a little lower on him and I'll be honest. I'm a little lower on Portland's just setup right now. You earlier referenced them in comparison to some teams like Oklahoma city who, you know, were years away. Look, it's possible. But I just look at it right now, and there's no singular player that I'm like as you know quite as high on. Oh yeah, no, there's there's no SGA there. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not like Simons and 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 stuff. But I look at it and I go, do I see the direction? Not quite yet. I don't know that we'll fully see it until next year. You know, based on what happens this summer and what pieces get moved, who gets play, who gets added to the roster. We'll have to look at all of that. All right, let's take a break, though, because we have to get to our all-star reserves. Those are going to be announced tonight on TNT. So we go ahead and went made our list. We have one difference in each conference, which I think will make for a good uh, a good conversation. A harder task. In the chat, if you want to participate, give us your list for all-star players so we can read them off and see which controversial players we didn't have on the list that you guys all liked. But first, the NBA is in full swing. 
And when I can't get enough of the action, I head on over to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner on the NBA. This is especially useful if you watch games and say your favorite player is out and the game all of a sudden lost a little bit of um, intrigue. I don't know, for example, say Nikola Jokic is out a game where Nuggets are going to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Well, how do you spice up the action? How do you make the game more entertaining? Well, just make that, make a couple bets. Pick a couple horses, pick, uh, bet on them, and see how they do in that game. And right now, even if you're wrong, you bet $5 and you get 200 instantly in bonus bets, no matter what, just for signing up. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code ALLNBA. Bet $5 and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code ALLNBA. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 878-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 older age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We had a super chat, Emma. Um... We had a super chat before the show began. Let's get to it. It's your star who's coming from, I believe, the Czech Republic here. These are Czech crowns, if I'm not mistaken. Can you talk Cavs for a minute? Talented roster underperforming uh, from the start due to synergy issues, then injuries to top options, going on massive run with good Ws. Now everybody is back. Do we expect improvement regression? Let's save this question for when Legs is back. We talked about the Cavs a little bit on Tuesday's show. We went into that very topic, the idea of getting Garland and Mobley back, them winning and being on a win streak. Is that is there now a second sort of lull as you bring back core pieces? I mean, Mobley and Garland change your team so much. I think there is something too. Donovan Mitchell is really good with a rim rolling big and four and three shooters. So now that you change that, because you're going to have the two bigs, and you're going to have a secondary ball handler. Does that make things worse? Does it make things better? But you have to go through a clunky period. We talked about it a little bit on Tuesday, but the Cavs to me are one of the most interesting stories in the NBA. So let's save it for legs because I'm sure it'll come back up in the coming uh, games. And by the way, one of the things that he pointed out when we talked about them on Tuesday is that their schedule, very favorable going into the All-Star break. They don't have a lot of tough matchups. Um, coming out of the All-Star break, it will get a little bit tougher. In fact, not they, they, going in and coming out of the All-Star break, they have some winnable games to create separation. And then the last month and a half of their season or so is going to get tough. So they're an interesting team, but let's save that one for legs. Instead, Danny... I, I would like an Evan, Evan Mobley. <laughs> you want to make the can trade? I, can, can I have an Evan Mobley? I want one. He's a, he's a pretty pretty good player, although very interesting player. I, he's a great player that I feel like should be better. Which I 100% is a, agree. You know, but he is great, and it's and he's young, and sometimes it's just like this. It it just clicks, and so I'm waiting for it to just click. For my, him. my USC uh, bias is probably also present as well. So little USC bias. There you go. Spoiled children over here, Dan Ring. Um. <laughs> all right, let's uh let's talk about All Star reserves. This Indeed. was way this was way harder than I thought it was going to be. And what I want to do, you have your list there in the West. Mm -hmm. Let's go in order of who you think is the most deserving to be an all-star reserve. That way we get to the controversial Ooh. ones at the end. So if you look at this on your list, who did you think was most controversial? Or who do you think that, was the most locked? The, the, most, the most deserving? Yeah. I think it's actually easy. I, I, think, I think I'm going to go with Kawhi. Yeah, I think this is yeah. easy. I think it's Kawhi yeah. Leonard who has an argument for, like, best player in the NBA in any given game. Yeah, like it's. I started looking at the list, and I was like, 
this is this seems pretty pretty cut and dry, right? Like healthy Kawhi. I, I saw him opening night uh, against the Blazers, and I went, oh, oh, he's back, you know. And I think we we tend to forget because of the stupidity of injuries um, when he's on the floor, where he is in the pantheon of stuff, because Luca yeah. and Jokic and Giannis and Shea are doing these things, and you go. Oh, this this is a guy who can single handedly just take over a game at the end of the night, and you look and he's shot, you know, fifty eight percent from the floor, sixty percent from the floor. He's been the best defensive player on the floor, and he's made every impact play every quarter, and just quietly gone about his business. And it and here, that, that here, subtle reminder is uh, is a lot. <laughs> here's the thing with Kawhi, he is first of all having his most efficient season, effective field goal percentage fifty nine point one percent. That's the highest Insane. in his career. He only takes 17.2 shots per game. The thing about Kawhi is that he might he has a case for like best isolation score in the NBA. I mean, it's not that you would go to like your Kevin Durant and your Jason Tatum's and your Joel Embiid. You go to all those guys. He does it with the efficiency of those guys, but he does it on such low volume. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like it because yeah. I almost feel like there is that the team benefits from the fact that they only use that to the exact degree that they need to open up other things. They so just for sprinkle me, a little on it. They just sprinkle it on. So he's averaging 24 points per game, but he's having this hyper-efficient season. Mm-hmm. And then over the last month or so, he's shooting basically 60-50-90, not 50-40, yeah. 50 Oh, it's 90. insane. So to me, this is easily Kawhi Leonard. He should have been a starter. And to me, it's a no-brainer that he is on. Okay, who's the second most likely guy or second biggest lock? I, I would say this, and this may be controversial, it's Steph. <laughs> it's definitely controversial to me. Because I, I think he belongs on the list, but it's controversial for me that is number two. But go ahead. Why why is he number two? The weight that he has had to carry with the amount of stupid that organization has put him through this mm. season. And I think that he has consistently just been there. And even on nights when they lose, I mean, you know, you get the the, the ripped jersey the other night, and it's just like you can tell he's like, I'm doing what I have to do for the love of God. Please help me. And there are guys that, I mean, Steph's not out here tweeting hourglass emojis, (laughs) you know, he's still, (laughs) he's still just going and going and going and going. Now he may break. He might finally just, he may lose it one of these nights. He hasn't yet, but I just look at what he has done this year and with how little he has had around him and still been Steph which has always been kind of the, particularly from Port- the Portland point of view, is like, huh, it must be nice to have Clay and Draymond and Steph or and, and KD right. and, and Iguodala when, you know, Dame was in his prime here and Dame's doesn't. You know, it was always like, let's yeah. see what it looks like. Let's see what that team looks like when they don't have that. And yet he has continued to kind of do what he does. Well, where where do you where do you fit on this? Are you, are you going the other side of the guard pole and going Edwards? So, well, here's the thing is I do have – I did have Steph on – um on my list, but he was the last guy I added. And that really like a hot interesting. Take. And it feels like a hot take, but first of all, let's just do this. It's the only guy I have on either side with, on a team with a losing record. Mm-hmm. Certainly the only guy that, you know, so you, we'll get to Trey young maybe later and, and him being on the bubble. He's on a 20 and 2017, but at least they're a 10 seed. The warriors right now are, are two spots outside of the play. And, and I just think that there is a little bit of legacy voting here where it's like, well, of course it's Steph. We know how great yeah. he is. But 
you wouldn't do this for other players. You wouldn't do this for guys that are maybe one-time all-stars. So I do think there's a little legacy thing here. His official brotherhood down. For it's sure. bad. You know, is it all his fault? Of course, they're on a terrible team and they've had nothing but disasters left and right to them um, happen to them this season, some on a large scale. So there's something mm -hmm. excusable about it. But at the same time, I just feel the changing of the guards in the NBA, the changing of the guard in the NBA. And it's wild to think because he has been the most popular player and maybe continues to be, but there is something to go. Is he one of the best guys in the Western conference this year? I think if I was actually given truth serum and not worried about being humiliated, I might've left him off, but as it is, I put him in as my last ad. Okay. So that was my, you had him second. I had him last. Who else do you have on your list? Uh, I, I did. I did uh, go with Ann Edwards. That, that, that's, I think that's very defensible. Yeah. I, I, I full disclosure, and th this okay. is going to get me killed. It is what it is. I am not an Aunt Edwards guy in like the every time he does something spectacular, you get the the Jordan, you know, overlay <laughs> comp, and I go, I'm just like, I look, I don't really care what guys do on and off the floor, but he is a guy that I just don't trust because of various decisions he has made off off the floor that have been very dumb. And so really? I'm, I always it's, separate it's, those things. I, 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 I do separate those things. But if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm looking for you to be my guy, the yeah. number one guy, and you keep making boneheaded mistakes, I'm like, buddy. Yeah. Buddy. Here's the thing. So you also, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it. You also have Rudy Gobert on your list, as yes. do I. And I did not. Yes. This was this was one where I did. I, I, Gobert was actually my second inclusion and I think my third, just to kind of show you Kawhi Gobert and mm. um. Here's the thing. It's the number one team in the Western Conference. They have been mm -hmm. all year. The number one defense. Now, why are they number one team? Because of their defense. So Gobert, to me, is actually not that difficult. You say that's the no. guy that makes them. I mean, they have a lot of good defensive players, but he makes them that. But we know that Anthony Edwards is the guy that closes games for them and is the guy that pushes them over the top. So to me, it's not crazy to put both of those guys, for me, on the all-star reserve list. No, num num number one, one seed having two, two all-stars is... I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of normal, right? Right, yeah. I mean, it usually is, but again, people think Minnesota's maybe a little bit of a fake one. Okay, we got to keep moving here. What else do yeah. you got? Uh, if we kind of go in front court here, uh, Paul George, because you talk about what, what, where we're sitting with with the Clippers and where they have done. I, I don't know if it's because they're the Clippers, because of the injuries, because of it's, it's Paul George and Kawhi. We just haven't been really willing or necessary to give them their respect or their flowers this season. And you, you kind of talk about where where they have been and, and where they are now. I right. think it's impossible to divorce those things because of stuff, right? Yeah. And so you look at it, and PG is having, a, what, a 46-42-90 season. You're talking about Kawhi's efficiency, and you just like they're all slotting in as much as we kind of barked and laughed. James Harden going blah blah blah. Everything is fit, and I think a credit to that is what those guys have been. And are PG and Kawhi's counting stats like these insane numbers? No, but their efficiencies are through the roof, and that team has been so so good and so reliable. And there's they just seem to fit, and I feel like you need to complement and support the production, not just what they have done on the court, but the production of what it has been in the standings for him. The reason he's not on my list, and he was the last guy cut, and I wish I would have put him in instead of Steph because I think you know I, I could have done this. But the reason I didn't is because I think James Harden might be their second most important player. Forget best because that becomes too hard to do. Sure. Kawhi is their most important player. Harden might be their second most important player. 
And as much as I because love Paul the table George, setting. yeah, and just because of like the roles and the things that like yeah. the boxes you need to check as to be a complete team, Paul George and Kawhi kind of check some of the same boxes. And again, they're both phenomenal. I love Paul George; he's one of my favorite. But I had to cut him off because of that. The last guy you had was the De- Demontis Sabonis. Yes, we both had him. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest; this was another. Like if I if I was given truth serum, I might have taken Fox over Sabonis because I feel like Fox is the more important of the two players. But if you were asking who is having the better season, it's Demonis Sabonis, more efficient, you know, counting stats and everything across mm. the board. But I kind of feel like this is a misleading one where Fox is the actual more important player. So I cowered out on this one as well. But we both had Sabonis. Yeah, and if and if if you wanted to go full truth serum, if you wanted me to take the the the, the brotherhood aspect of of NBA voting and and Steph getting the honorary vote, Fox would be the guy I would swap Curry for. Mm. Uh, that's that's the way that would go. And then the last guy I had on this um, was Anthony Davis, who the Lakers are what right the Lakers the are, but uh, I mean. Just the production is just bonkers. He's actually been really good this year. Despite He's been really good. <laughs> yes, it's been like, I mean, all the things you asked him to do, he's right. kind of been doing. So yeah. he's had some stinkers. He's had those 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 Anthony not Davis many, stinkers though. that pop not, up not every now. And then. But that's what I'm saying. Like he's he's kind of risen above the criticism this year, and you're really gonna get mad at what 25, 14, and four, like right. I, Okay, sure, cool. That's what we're doing now. We're we're gonna get our memes off because it's Anthony Davis. He's been phenomenal despite the Lakers being mired in the swamp. I ended up with Devin Booker over Paul George. I actually don't like that pick at all. I just knew mm. producer Emma was gonna get really mad at me if I would have picked uh, if I didn't have a son on here. That's the only reason I picked him. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. No, I'm kidding. I mean, I think it's neck and neck. Devin Booker has been asked to do some very difficult things this year between mm-hmm. playing the point and then, you know, mixing guys in and out of the rotation and whatever. But um, so I don't feel great about it. I, I maybe actually now I'm feeling like I made the wrong pick, but whatever. I think it's neck and neck and you could go either way there. But the rest of the picks, I, I a lot of people don't have Gobert uh, there. And I just, to me, that's crazy. The reason the, the, the reason he's been so phenomenal. And, and I think we killed him last year, not realizing how bad his back was. Yeah. Because it just seemed to limit everything he's done this year defensively. Like, it, if it's of any wonder why defensively a team just kind of transformed, and it's like, oh, what's the line that you can draw? It's like, oh, Rudy Gobert is back to playing like Rudy Gobert did in Utah. Right. I, I think it's it's a it's a very straight line to draw. All right, let's go to the East. Let me hear who is your biggest lock, Brunson. I'm actually curious this because there's two names Br- that I Br- think are the Brunson. Locks. Yeah, Brunson. I'm with you. Not even there's close. Mitchell and Team Brunson, and I'm Team Brunson on this one. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, I love Jalen. Um, I love his game. I, you know, I, I got a lot of uh, friends who are, who are are Knicks fans that are transplants to Oregon. You know, the the Brooklyn to Portland uh, hipster collection that that, that exists. Um, but there's something about Brunson's game that has translated so well to the addition of OG Ananobi. Uh, how Tibbs has integrated everybody that that everything they did. What was it? They've rattled off. It's what, leadership. Two and they're sixteen. Yeah, his I'm intangibles. Yeah. It, the, the 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 2k intangible ratings are a 99 like he's yep. he is absolutely fantastic and they've surrounded him with the right players and the right coaches to fully maximize every single one of them um number two for you who, who would it have been the second biggest lock bam <laughs> wow i had bam on there bam. but he was not my second lock bam and, 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 and the reason i said this is because number one i think bam has been criminally underrated throughout his entire career but bam's uh offense has been well as my 
Zoom goes completely <laughs> fun there. Uh, Bam's offense has been what I never thought it would be, which is somebody yeah, you can give him the ball and go get a bucket. And yeah. I, I feel like I, I kind of like to reward that. I, I, where you kind of become more of the face than the, I, I genuinely believe as much as Jimmy is the guy in Miami, Bam is the most important player of that organization. And while they, they get a I win agree. last night, I, I look at him and I go, they go as he kind of goes, as everybody else kind of falls behind him. And as he's taken more responsibility, I really appreciate kind of the, the efficiency that has been there with it. So I'm with you on Bam. He was way up there. He was not my number two. My number two is Donovan Mitchell, who I think mm -hmm. you could slot. Like to me, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, extremely similar. But as I mentioned, Donovan Mitchell, more spectacular. Um, yep. Jalen Brunson, more impactful. But nonetheless, Donovan Mitchell has been carrying this Cavs team in the absence of some of their key guys, and he has been phenomenal. So I think a lot of people would have Mitchell over as, as the number one reserve. But either way, a lot. Yep. The guy's a lock to be an all-star. Yeah, um, I, I would I would land in, this, in the same spot there. Uh, I think the one that I think that would probably catch everybody off guard is is well maybe not, maybe not catch everybody off guard, but for me it's Paolo. So I had him on my list as well. I just okay, think so you did I, okay. Yeah, I, I think he belongs. I mean, first of all, when you get to the bottom of this list, like there's it actually drops off a little bit. And Paolo's a great player, but you know he wouldn't have made it in the West. But he has been really good, and he's been the good efficiency isn't there, but what they have done in year two with him and kind of the, the role and the mantle that he has assumed with zero shooting on that roster. Um, no shooting and been, not really, they have like good guard play, but not necessarily the table setting guard play. Like no. Franz Wagner sets the table in the clutch. Yeah. And he has had, he's come up big. He has some like clutch baskets to win games. So for me, I just think that I, I as much as this was difficult, the end of the, the end of the roster, it wasn't that difficult for me. So I'm with you. I had him on the list. Um, you had Tyrese Maxey. I had Tyrese Maxey. I'm, yes. I think he's another guy that's on the bubble, but for me, this was an easy one. Um, when he, he, he misses a couple of games here recently, which may have knocked him down in some, in some recency bias discussions, mm, particularly good. as it surrounds Joel Embiid. But other than that, Maxey has been the guy that Sixers fans had proclaimed him to be two years ago. And yeah. it's, it's think about how honestly, how rare it is that a guy who shows some flashes, really lives up to those flashes. And I think Maxi right. has done that this year. And I think that's 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 the reward part of this. Where, where do we differ on our lists? So we, we both have one more guy, and that's Julius Randle, who, mm -hmm. if I were, this is how I honestly feel about it. Jalen Brunson's been so good that Julius Randle's getting an all-star nod. <laughs> that's how I would phrase it. I'm not the biggest <laughs> Julius Randle guy. Um, he has have great numbers this year, so he'll get it. I mean, I, I, again, I think it he deserves the spot where we differ is Jalen Brown and Chris Stapps Porzingis. So mm. we went to the same team. We kind of felt like yep. Boston, like we did with Minnesota. It's, that it's, they it had to be somebody. I just didn't know. I was like, I'm not, it's not Derek white. Stop. It's not. If Derek I white. was being particularly hot takey, I might've <laughs> considered Derek white. No, yeah. I might've considered him like next in line. I'm not a Jalen Brown guy. And, and it's another one of those guys That's where right. I think he is spectacular and we always weigh spectacular more so than necessarily impact. And I think Chris Tapps Porzingis mm -hmm. is just more impactful and more necessary to what they're doing. Not to say Jalen Brown's not. He's a great player. Don't hear me wrong. But he would be the next guy on my list. But to me, if I'm looking at and saying what, you know, you have to pick two guys to be healthy for that team, Jalen Brown would not be one of my two picks. You could tell me Tatum, and then you could tell me 
a collection of the other guys, but I don't. Really I do wouldn't disagree in that guy. vein. But if we're talking about like the importance and the structure and the viability, and it kind of it's kind of the same reason you're talking about with the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi. Right. Leonard. It's like, well, I've got Kawhi Leonard at home. You know, kind of a situation right, 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 where it's like, right. like, yeah, you, you've got Jason Tatum at home. So in that vein, yes, I and I would go with you on Chris Stapps. That's the way that I would go because you look at the way they play with him and when they when they are optimized, it is about integrating it's different. It's different. him and White with Tatum and not Jalen Brown finding his spots. Jalen Brown is is the wallpaper. He just yeah, he he covers is. everything else up. But at the same He's time, really good. Also, He's really good and he's having an incredible season. So it's like it's an expensive wallpaper. Ah, yeah, good. right. Very you know, it's, it's textured. Wallpaper. It's textured. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you over the KP nod right. for sure. But again, Boston has been so good, number one seed and where they are. I think by by virtue of that, they do get the the two all-star nod. If you bring it back up, Emma, bring up the West one first. One of the things that stands out to me, there were the the Steph Curry legacy award here for me, mm. but there is to me, a bit of a changing of the guard. And you see that with Anthony Edwards. You see that with Shea. You see that with some of these younger guys. And then if you go to the East, there just is a little bit of legacy guys that I feel like are now on the bubble. And it's Brunson's league. You know, it's Tyrese Maxey and Paolo Bancaro breaking in. And I kind of like that. Guys that were not on our list, that's on nobody's yep. list. Zion, you know, Brandon Ingram. Guys that we thought were locks to be. John Moran, obviously, because of the circumstances yeah, that's one, of this year. Yeah. But there are... But there are some young players that we thought were just, oh, Zion's in the league, just shoo him in. He's going to be there every year. And you look at it and you go, you know what? You never know. You never know exactly what lies around the corner in the NBA. Um, Dan, on short notice, I appreciate you hopping in and talking some Blazers with me and uh, mixing it up on All-Stars. I appreciate it, man. What did Anything you want to plug or, or any, any final thoughts? No, th thanks for having me, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm a very poor substitute for legs. Uh, legs, uh, listening to you guys is, is, is part of my, my, my daily drive in. Uh, if you are in Portland, uh, noon to three, uh, Terrestrial Radio, 1080 AM, The Fan, uh, I will be there. And uh, if you want to get some more insight on the Portland Trailblazers, the Jack Ramsey's podcast, available wherever you get podcasts. There you go. Great plug right there, Dan. Thanks so much, everybody. Legs back with me tomorrow. Hit that like button on the way out. We'll see you then. Like the mayor, 